This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome. This is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode, which is actually more of a special episode this week as we did two interviews. And this is our second of the week that we're sharing. Uh, And this one I thought was a great topic to share because tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day of the release, September 10th, tomorrow is actually a 20 year anniversary to 9-11. And I had the distinct opportunity and pleasure to interview someone who is a 9-11 survivor. And this gentleman, uh, you'll feel the authenticness, the, the beautiful heart, the, the compassion. You'll feel the energy of him come right off. He's very sincere in his ways and what he's done. And um, we had such a wonderful conversation and it was really um, great to have and connect with and share his story, what he learned, how it shifted his perspective on life and what he's doing now to help with the world. So that wonderful individual's name is Kushal Choksi who started his career as a quantitative analysis with Goldman Sachs. He left Goldman Sachs as a vice president of asset management to join Athlon, an investment fund. As a managing director at Athlon, he helped ramp up a $45 billion portfolio before the fund was acquired by EBF Associates. He then moved to India to join BlackRock's fixed income business as a senior vice president, where he managed billions of dollars in the company's flagship mutual funds. After returning to New York, he submitted to his passion for entrepreneurship and started to his own tech startup. His content distribution venture, Hubble, was acquired by Airpush within two years. He then started a proprieties trading venture, 
Clavelleno Capital, which later merged with our ARB Trading Group. He and his wife now run Elements Truffles, a New York-based artisanal chocolate company built on values of Ayurvedic sustainability, giving back, and ethical trade. Kushal is a trainer of personal development, meditation, wellness, and leadership programs for the Art of Living Foundation. He has taught secrets of breathwork and meditation to thousands across the U.S., Europe, and Asia, and he serves on the U.S. Board of the International Association for Human Values. I can't share any more about this guy. I mean, just enjoy this episode. I promise you it's going to be a good one. Sit back, listen to his story, and enjoy the things and the nuggets of wisdom that he shares with you, even discussing his book, uh, On a Wing and a Prayer. Here is Kushal Chosky. Kushal, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. I'm excited to have you on. You have a very intriguing story that I know we're going to get into in just a second. As my listeners know, I like to get right into things and start diving deep. So um, let's talk about before, you know, before we get into all the other good stuff, what's your story? How did you get into what you're doing? Uh, What inspired you? What was the journey? And, And so much more. Sure. Um, you know, the whole journey started as me coming as an uh, ambitious immigrant to this country uh, for, for education. And right after that, I really wanted to work on Wall Street. And, um, you know, one should be really careful what they ask for because it might be given, right, as they say. And so I started working um, at Goldman Sachs in a very high pressure environment. Um, but I was loving it. You know, it, uh, I was kind of chasing that proverbial American dream, if you will. Um, and I was so sucked into it that I, at some point of time, I had forgot, forgotten to ask myself why I was doing what I was really doing. Um, it just felt right in that moment. Um, and it was 20 years ago uh, on 9-11, I had a miraculous escape from the burning towers. And that kind of shook me up. Uh, it, it waked me up from my reverie and kind of made me think that there had to be more to life than what met the eye. You know, there had to be something more than, um, you know, chasing big bonuses and, and, and perhaps driving fast cars. And there, what was it? Why was I, what, what was I really doing here anyways? What was my purpose? Um, and I experienced, uh, uh, I experienced a void that I had not felt before. You know, sometimes you see death from so up close and personal it, it kind of creates a very surreal feeling inside. And that's what I experienced. But I didn't know how to fill that void. You know, I, I, I tried doing things that I would not otherwise do because there was this interesting, you know, mix of feelings within me. Or part of me felt I had to go and achieve everything and finish the unfinished business. But on, on the other side, there was like, but then what's the point of it? You know, it could end any moment. And do I really need to do that? So I kind of tried to do a few things, uh, you know, but they proved to be mere distractions, traveling the world, exploring some other hobbies and interests. And, you know, but they were just distractions. I kept coming back to that feeling of something is missing, something is lacking. And around that time, you know, I met this uh, spiritual master coming from India, Gurudev Shri Ravi Shankar. And through uh, his teachings, I learned some very powerful breath work and, and meditation. Uh, sky breath. And I'm talking about 2004, back in the days when there were no smartphones or, uh, you know, not enough awareness about yoga, meditation, or or breath work, uh, not enough influencers like yourselves talking about it, you know. <laughs> and so I was like, is this the right thing? I was, I was very, um, being a very left brain, scientific, proof seeking person, I was like, 
does this thing really work or is it just some, you know, of course, I, I, I'm, my roots are in Eastern spirituality, but I wanted proof for everything first. I wanted the, you know, I wanted a scientific validation, if you will, before jumping in. So I was very measured in my approach in, in going after it or, or accepting it on its face value in the first go. But as I kept practicing it, it just completely felt like a, a, a piece of that, that missing piece of puzzle had just fallen into place. And, and that, that completely, you know, transformed my life, if I, if I, if I may say. And it gave me the, um, it brought back that enthusiasm in the life. It gave me the ability to really follow my heart, gave me that strength to encourage to, to not take life too seriously and, and do whatever I want. Um, and following that, I, you know, I, I left my promising Wall Street job to, to join a startup um, and, and go travel and go to, you know, go to Asia to, to work, come back and do another startup. I, I've done three startups since. Um, and, you know, one of the things I had this, uh, this wrong notion in my head before I, I signed up for my first meditation class was probably meditation is anti-ambition, you know, that perhaps it requires me to give up all my, um, you know, my, my desires and, and my, what I want to achieve from my life. Um, I was in my twenties, right? So, um, and become a monk. But then I realized that, no, it didn't have to be that. It, it's not about it. You know, you could be in the world, experience everything, enjoy it to the fullest, and yet be, you know, yet be a little remote from it so that, you know, like, like how you talk about it, look at life as a game. And, and, and you know, that brings the best out of oneself. And, and that's what I experienced. It allowed me to kind of take charge of my life and, and move on with, um, with that joy and, and being in the moment. You, we read about all these things that live life in the moment, but it was the first time and I experienced what is it to, to be in the moment? And, and so, so that's my last 20 years of, of journey in, a, in two minutes, but I'm, I'm willing to talk more about it, you know, uh, from there. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's uh, you know, they always teach you in business, right? Have a, be not emotionally attached to your business because if you are, it's not going to thrive. And it's, it's funny because I'm very passionate individual and it's like, I know when I first started in my business, I was like, no, this is a vision. It's a purpose. This is what I'm doing here. And that's all good stuff. And you need that. But it was like, I wanted it to be a certain way and it had to be a certain way. And I had this emotional attachment to it. And then eventually I learned, like, I got to let that disconnect. I'm, I still, that's the business is a product of me, but it's not me. It's, you know, and all those kind of things. So you had death knocking at your door, right? And that shook your world a little bit, would you say? Um, I mean, 9-11 shook the whole world on that happening. I remember I was in, uh, I was a senior in high school and literally I was at school and they put on the TV and I'm seeing a plane hit a tower, number two. And I'm like, am I living in a, an illusion right now? Like, is this really happening? Um, 
what was some of the things that, you know, cause you go through something like that. You know, I talked to, I've had people on here who've had like um, stage four cancer, two months to live and they turned their life around and like, again, death knocking at your door and how they radically changed their life. Um, what was some of the things, if you don't mind sharing um, when it came to that process, like um, when your, your world was shook, your identity, and I always tell people when your world gets shaken up, it's really the mind, the programming of the mind, the ego of what it has been conditioned uh, to see how life is at identity. And then when the identity gets shaken up, ego doesn't like that. So then when there's all these emotions that fire in, um, what was that experience for you um, going through that shift? Yeah. Um, you know, it was a very interesting kind of cocktail of emotions, if I, if I may say, right. I, on, in the very initial period of initial time, I really didn't know what was happening. It all happened so suddenly. It all happened so fast. The, the rapid succession of events that it kind of left me dazed. You know, I, I, I like how you said, I really couldn't tell whether I was in a, was this part of some movies, movie scene or like this, this kind of stuff you only see on the, on the screen, right? It really doesn't happen where, where you see, you, you look up and a, and a plane comes and hits a building. So I was like, is this really happening or am I, is this a dream or dream within a dream? What is it really happening? So that kind of left me in that, that really tender state of, of, of disinterest. Like I, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't make sense. Uh, what is it? I don't know. You know, just nothing makes sense kind of stage. And, and so, and, you know, there was also this stage where people would ask me, you know, you, you came out, just tell me. And I would, I would not want to go there. So I was in that, also in that state of denial. That, you know, something like that, I would just cut that story short. I said, yeah, this happened. And then I just ran out and, and it, that's it. You know, even today, not many people, some of my really close friends who, you know, who I've met since, uh, you know, they don't really know much about it. Uh, perhaps some of them who would listen to this thing and, and say, oh, really? <laughs> and, and so I was like very guarded about it for a long time. You know, I just, you know, it's a tendency of mine that it, it goes back to, to its comfort zone, it retrieves back. And for me, it was just, you know, going inside. I was just, I just pulled myself in. Um, I, did to, to, I didn't even talk to my wife much about it, you know, it, you know. But there's this science of impressions in the mind, right? That what, every time any event that passes through, it leaves a certain impression, you know, and like a lesion on your, on your nervous system. And every time I would hear a loud noise, um, a construction truck dropping like something, a steel girder, like this loud noise or, or that smell of something burning, you know, it would, it would take me back to that moment. It, it would, those impressions would have created some patterns and it would not allow me to, to escape those patterns. So I, I, that was the start, the, the initial part where I was, I was trying to make sense of it. Um, and in that process, I just completely, you know, retrieved everything to myself. I just, you know, kept to myself. And then, as I briefly alluded to earlier, came this whole um, sentiment that, listen, I just have a new life now. And everything that I wanted to do, I had to, I had to do it. You know, I had to travel. I had to experience the, the, the best food everywhere. I had to um, change the career, experience a thrill. So, you know, from the professional life. Um, I had to become very successful at what I was doing at work. It was just that artificially created sense of urgency 
to just finish everything very quickly because then there was like, but what if something like this happened again and I wasn't so lucky? So that was an interesting um, conflict raging at the, you know, at the plateau of my wits where there was like, at one point of time, there was like, eh, what's the point? What is this all about? But then second, at the other end was this, another part saying, no, but you got to do this. You have to experience that. You know, you just got a new life. You haven't even tried this. So, you know, it was an interesting kind of contradiction uh, that I continued to persist for a long time. <laughs> That's what I was curious about. Yeah. And and so when, because, you know, it's kind of like a form of, would you say it was like a form of like PTSD, right? You heard the clank and it's like, wait a minute. And it just takes you right back to that moment. Um, yeah. How was then your journey with meditation and breath work? How did that help? that former memory? So what the sky breath that I learned, uh, it does is through the action of your own breath, through the rhythm of your own breath, it cleanses these impressions. You know, so you, you brought it that PTSD word, right? I was in denial. Maybe it was, who knows what it was. I never went to a counselor, but, but the telltale symptoms were like that, right? But I was in denial. I'm like me, and no, no, it can't happen to me. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, it's just this was just an event. But, but deep within that impression was formed, that pattern was formed, and so it kept me taking, kept taking my mind to that past. And you know, it's a, it's a, that's a nature of mind, right? We are in life. Whatever we do creates these impressions, creates this, these scars on the nervous system, and. You know, simple thing like having a coffee. You, know, you, you want a coffee first day, you know, you love it. Next day you want it, you, you go for it. Third day you want it, it creates a habit. And then now the fifth day you don't have coffee and it gives you a headache. Right? It's, it's a simple form of what this events leaving an impression on our mind. And it gives your mind the, you know, it doesn't let your mind be in the moment. We are not even aware of it, but that's what the outcome is. So what I learned with this breath work is it started removing or scrubbing off these impressions. The, you know, of course, the, that memory is still there. Perhaps it'll live with me for the rest of my life. But it started loosening its charge on me. It started loosening its grip on me where it stopped driving my life versus I felt like a lot more in, in control. I like that. And, that. and I know how that feels because I've used breathwork many types and in meditations. And I love how you brought that up. It took the charge away, right? That emotional charge, that emotional attachment to it. And instead it becomes more of, instead of like, this is what happened to me. Oh my goodness. Instead it's more like, this is what happened. But now you're like, it's fine. You look at it from a higher plane or a spiritual plane and you, you can take it and go, well, what do I want to make that happen for me now? Do I want to learn? What can I extrapolate from that? I can make that either negatively affect my life or I can make that empower my life. And exactly. then you, did you get to that? Did you get to that point to where you're like, you look back at the story now and it's, you know, it's like, you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. I most likely, um, cause there's things like, you know, my dark night of the souls and things that I've experienced, I will never forget those things, but right. they don't hold the charge. Like you said on me anymore. I look back and it's like, cool, that happened. This is what I went through. But guess what now? I can, I can use that and help me grow and evolve and, and learn from it and, and so much more. 
Um, so you've done a lot of breath work. I love how you say it scrubs things down a little bit. I try to tell people that all the time. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, breath work is very powerful. Yeah. Um, I know you do sky breath work. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because on my podcast, I've talked a lot about different breath works. I've had the creator of Soma Technique out here on my podcast. I've uh, I practiced Wim Hof probably for eight years on and off. Um, I've done holotrophic, I've done conscious breath. Um, I did a lot of pranayamas and, and kundalini yoga. So I, I have a very extensive knowledge of breath work, but sky is something I haven't heard before. So I love, if you don't mind, just break it down. You can share a little bit of that. Sure. Um, so, uh, it's, it's, uh, predicate on a very simple, but profound, uh, understanding that the mind is intricately related to your breath, you know, like any emotion that you experience, um, let's say you're angry, your breath changes in the most imperceptible way. You're not even aware of it, but one starts breathing short and shallow, right? Or somebody's in grief, and then the, the breath starts you know, softening down. There's a larger exhalation, longer exhalation. So usually the mind leads and the, and the breath follows. Right? So emotions lead and, and the breath just follows behind it. But if that you turn that around, you know, you learn to modulate your breath in a certain way, then the mind has no choice but to follow. And so Sudarshan Kriya is, a, or the sky, the, the Sanskrit word is Sudarshan Kriya. It's made of two words, Su and Darshan. Su is proper, Darshan is vision. Kriya is just a purifying action. So through the action of your own breath, it gives you the vision of who you are. Through the action of your own breath, by learning to modulate your own breath, you control your mind. And you know, what's most, and like you, I've tried so many breath works and so many different modalities of my, your meditations and everything I really, um, yeah. one, one thing I failed um, in, 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 or struggled with, I should say, is uh, with effort. That, you know, everything felt like an effort where I had to do something or not or, or resist something to meditate, whether to resist a thought or to focus on a, on a sound or a, or a ray of light or something. All that felt at, at the level of mind, some, some kind of effort. But what I learned with Sky is just through breath work, just by breathing in a certain rhythm, it took my mind to a certain place where it effortlessly sank into meditation. So there was no real effort required to, to meditate. And I love that because for life of me, I could not meditate before that. And this is the first time just by, you know, by this you know, few minutes of rhythmic breathing, I was just, I, I fell into that, that space. I, you know, they, they say that there are seven layers to our, our being, right? There's body, breath, mind, intellect, memory, ego, and then the self. And so what, Sky does is it navigates through all these different layers, aligns it, you know, maintains them in the rhythm. We feel stress, we feel stress, we feel out of whack when all these seven layers go out of rhythm. So what Sky does is aligns them, and and you know gives you a little dip into that self, who we really are. And when I experienced that, I was like, this is magic. <laughs> this is pure magic. <laughs> so. There's no drugs needed, right? No drugs needed. No, no drugs needed. needed. That's why I try to tell people. It's I mean, a different I, type of high. It is, you know, and it's like, you know, I'm a big fan of meditation. Uh, it has changed my life in so many ways. 
But when I work with people in my coaching business or in my, in my chiropractic one, I always, um, I always recommend breath work. And they're like, what do you mean breath work? I'm like, listen, you're stressed. There's a lot going on, a lot of stimulation, blah, 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 blah. It's affecting the nervous system. I'm like, you, I go breath work. The beauty why I'm recommending it is because in order to meditate and kind of get a grasp of the power, it's going to take you about 90 days. You know, my experience has been about 90 days. The first month, you're going to hate it. You got the, you, you've experienced it. You got all the thoughts flying through. You can't really focus. The second month, you may be starting to feel like you get a grip and not too well. But then the third month, you're like, oh, this is what meditation is. Interesting. So I don't have to worry. My thoughts are always there. Um, what I love about breath work is one to two weeks, you're there. Like, I know you said, like, you get that, you get that feeling. And then it's like, yeah, you're, you're centered. And, and uh, I know you're a left brain type individual. I'm a left brain type individual, uh, although I am very big right brain too, like intuition and, you know, spirituality and all that good stuff. But I like to tie it with the left just so that I can share it with people in a way. But like, when we talk about the breath, how it changes the tone of our nervous system, there's actually a part of the brain they found out a couple of years ago that is something what they call the breath pacemaker. And what this does is this part of the brain, it's in the medulla, in the part of the brainstem, what it will do is it's always constantly monitoring your breath and seeing where things are. And then it, it puts that tone on the nervous system. So this is like why Wim Hof can say, well, we can change our autonomic nervous system and influence it. This is one of the, or sky breath or holotrophic. You can influence that because when you change your breath and all that, whether you're angry, frustrated, doesn't matter. You can change your breath and stop that immediately because it's the rhythm of our breath. Sometimes some people are asking the question now, is the emotions leading of the breath or is the emotion in the thought trigger the breath to change and then the feelings of the body follow? Mm-hmm. That we haven't figured out yet. Uh, but there's there's hypotheticals that say, is the breath that powerful to where it <clears throat> gives us that experience? But um, I think it's just, you know, you, you have the thought, you have the reaction and the, the breath follows. But um, but it's kind of one of those things where um, we can drastically change yourself in that process. And I love you sharing that uh, and so much more. I'm going to have to check out a little bit more on uh, Sky Breath and see what that breath work and see what that's all about. Yeah, and, and like you said, for me, like, you know, I always fall back to scientific validation at the end of the day. You know, of course, your experience will say something. You ha- you'll have an irrefutable experience that you may not need to go there at all. I mean, I feel what I feel like. I feel happy without a reason. How, you know, what price can you put to it? But I still want to see, you know, what is the underpinnings of all that, right? And so, you know, I, there was a recent study done by Yale uh, and, and, and Howard, I think. They extensively studied sky and, and all the other modalities uh, of breath. And, um, you know, what, what there was that research and something else also, it, what came out of it is, you know, it also leads to the, the, the vagal stimulation, the, the stimulation of the vagus nerve. And that is also scientifically proven to kind of, you know, balance your sympathetic and parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous systems and, you know, all that good stuff that follows from there being in the present moment and all that. So I am a big believer in science and I feel that, you know, when, a, when your experience is supported by, by scientific validation, it's just... It's just the most beautiful, uh, you know, it's just the most, then I don't need to look, need to look back, you know? <laughs> no, I agree with you more. Cause if you have that, like for me, I'm the why type where it's like, okay, this is giving me that experience. Now I want to know why that does. Exactly. Like, what, what's that? What's the thing that's making that happen? Yeah. Vagus nerve is, is uh, it's 90, almost 90% of your uh, uh, parasympathetic nervous system overall. So it's very, very powerful. Um, I love that. 
Um, how much was it then influential for you? Cause I'm a big, I had many, I had multiple spiritual teachers in my background. As I said, I'm a chiropractor, but I've also had, I, I went in, I am a Reiki master and trainer. When I was in chiropractic school, I learned that I learned energy medicine. I mean, it wasn't in schools outside, but, um, I studied a lot of the energy medicine principles. I studied, uh, um, a variety of things and I had spiritual teachers guide me along the way. And it was very monumental for me. How much was your spiritual teacher monumental for you in your journey, your process, your story, and everything? Well, truth be told, and I hope I don't get quoted on this, I was really, I was really averse to having a spiritual teacher to begin with. I was, I should have hyper, I was resisting having a master. Um, I don't know why, perhaps it was. Um, my conditioning, having grown up in India and having seen a lot of people taking, um, you know, supple minds advantage or, or I don't know what, what it was. You know, I, for some reason, I always had a negative uh, connotation with having a spiritual guide or teacher. But then I realized that you can't learn these things by reading a book. You know, if I gave you a book of yoga, yoga sutras by Patanjali and say, okay, now go and master the art of yoga. It's impossible. You need someone who has gone through this and, and mastered it to show you the ropes. And another thing I learned was, or, or realized was that I had no problems having a teacher to, to teach me math or to to teach me, you know, computers or to teach me a, a sport, a coach to have a, to learn a sport. But then why was this resistance for, you know, having a teacher who could help you navigate through the maze of your own mind, which is so much far more complex than, than adding two numbers, you know? And so it was not so much of doing, it was happening that along as I, I come, of course, the, the breath work was very powerful and it, it had me right there. You know, I, as I learned, I continued to practice more, more of what my teacher was saying started making sense. More of what he was doing immediately started creating me that, uh, creating within me that acceptance and, and beyond acceptance that complete, okay, no, this is it. This person has something that I want. And, and of course I was questioning, I was doubting, but I kept moving towards it. And, you know, it came a point in, in time and I said, no, this is it. You know, the, of course, you know, my teacher's name is Gurudev Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, um, you know, and, and his ways of teaching are very simple, you know, is, and, and that's what appealed to me. Um, and so, yes, to, to answer to your question, it has made a monumental difference in, in my progress. Would I have learned without a teacher? Would I have learned these things? Yes. Uh, there are, unfortunately, there are no uh, barometers or gauges that, that can measure your progress on the spiritual path that, hey, you've come halfway, you've come two thirds of the way. But do I feel that my progress would have been slower without a master? Oh, yes. And, and, and you know, it's just having like a, a rocket booster that just, just, you know, takes you out of the minutia and, and show you the right technique rather than let you figure waste your time in figuring out things because there's so much knowledge and so much you know incorrect knowledge also out there right so so 
love how you brought that up with the like, well, I had no problem having a math teacher or a computer teacher or XYZ. So why am I fighting that? That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> I may have to use that. Um, <laughs> Because one of my analogies in life, and, I, and this is what coaches always say, and I've always had a coach in every aspect of my life, um, um, because again, it's what you said before. It's like a rocket booster, right? I I, I want to get to like I just hired I just hired another new coach, and I'm like, and they're asking me like, why do you? What's your purpose? Why? I go, I can learn and do everything that they're gonna. You guys are gonna teach me. I can do it out on my own. I already I already have the principles in my head. I don't want to have to spend years, one, two, three, four years, to try to figure all that out. I'll hire you. I don't care what the money is. I, I'm going to get it back. And I'm like, and I just want to be able to get there within a year if we can do that. And like, oh, you can do it in six months. I'm like, okay, fine, deal. That's why I'm hiring you. But it's one of those concepts, right? In getting into, and getting even with spirituality, I had a couple of spiritual teachers who guided me along the way, and it was, it was always, uh, it was always interesting because they were so more way advanced in what they did. And I was like, okay, how do you get there? You know, and they're like, well, hold up. It, it's your journey. Like my one spiritual teacher always used to tell me, you know a lot. That's great. You have a lot of knowledge in you. You've studied so many things. You read so many books. She goes, here's the thing, though. You need experience. She's like, experience and knowledge actually creates wisdom. And Beautiful. I fought Beautiful. her on that for all. I fought her on that for a little bit. Now I look back and I'm like, shit, she was right. I go, because now in my life. I still learn. I still read. I read way less than I used to because it's more about like, what do I need at this time rather than I need to study everything that's out there. And I let the experiences guide me now. And it's amazing what, how much more I learn now than I was before doing what I did. And there's, there's always um, what what a teacher gives you is uh, it becomes a companion with you on the, and that's what my experience is, right? That somebody who, who's not interested in anything, from you he doesn't need anything from you or she doesn't need anything from you but he's just unconditionally invested in your progress and i was like is that even really really possible in in times like this today and when i experienced that i was like yes this is this is something not only i'm benefiting from but it creates a possibility for me to it shows me a human possibility for me to become something like that to to perhaps pay it forward or 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 be there for someone um, unconditionally like how he's modeling it for me you know so it's it's, a, it's been a beautiful ride i love that least. i love that and it's one of it's hard to find that i mean nowadays there's you know it's not always like that um but there's that aspect of um i call it doing things old school old school was you learn something, you learn your way, you, you, you grind, you get to the point where you're successful in it. And then when you get to a certain point in age and time and everything, now you help the other ones who are just starting where you were, grab a hand, lift them up and help them in their journey. Um, and I learned that, actually, I learned that from the Jewish community, Jewish community, because that's what they do. They, they help each other uh, fund someone for their business. And then their requirement is, listen, you don't have to pay us back. But when your time comes and you're successful, yeah. the next person that comes, that's on you. And you need to help them rise up and help them. Beautiful. I love that. Um, I'm trying to think here. So you have, you know, we talked uh, we talked about your, your story with 9-11. We got into some, some breath work and things like that. We talked about the importance of me having a spiritual master. Um, what, do, what would you say with your spiritual master was one of the things that was the most aha moment for you? 
what was that like big shift for you that if there was one thing, I mean, there's probably multitude, which I know, but what is the one thing that took you back and was like, wow, it just turned the light bulb inside you. I think you're right. There were a few things. There were many things. Um, but I think one of the things that helped me personally move forward um, and that I learned from my master was this art of acceptance. Um, you know, I really had, and that played in so many facets of my life on my entrepreneurial journey, um, on dealing with this whole, whole past experiences, um, in my relationships, in, at work, in everywhere, the one theme that kept coming up where I struggled because of my conditioning was, was lack of acceptance that, you know, I thought I had to be in control and be and fix everything and and you know put self effort to and, and only self effort to 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 kind of to take charge of the situation. But what I learned was that balance of of putting an effort and letting go. You know, there's there's this there's this oftentimes we we go, or let me talk about myself. I would go from one end of the spectrum to the other, sometimes just relying too much on the effort, sometimes just saying, I give up. But that balance of just putting enough effort and knowing when to let go and, and kind of rest in that point and, and be in that moment of acceptance to let, you know, universe take over from there is something I learned. And that's a gift, Victor, that keeps on giving. That's That's something that, I would not trade it for anything because it has given me so much strength and uh, um, really um, that feeling of move, to move on with anything that comes my way. I, 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 nothing that comes my way can phase me anymore because I have that, that tool in my bag. I love that. That's a very powerful tool to have, if I must say. Even when, so question then, with the pandemic, everything that goes on, how does a tool like that, how did it help you navigate through the pandemic and everything? I think there were a couple of instances, um, you know, throughout the pandemic, I actually, I, I enjoy, I, I'm, if I may say, you know, I enjoyed most part of the pandemic. Uh, I, it gave me an opportunity to to stop and and breathe and kind of take a pause from a busy life and just ask you know go back to taking stock of my life and you know of course a lot of things were happening and you know um, I was having struggles uh, with my startups and all that but it was this ability this wanting this kind of acceptance that just gave me that little okay yeah you know it's Life is a game, it's happening, and just just be with it, just be with it. But what really kind of threw me off towards the end is, you know, I lost my father um, to COVID. And it was a it was a most uh, it was the most difficult situation I'd faced ever in my life. Um, and, and that whole experience of what had happened 20 years ago, that that feeling of of you know, disinterest, that feeling of what's the point of all this, that came back again, that, that void started showing up again, um, you know, and, but again, th this time it had a different texture. I, I was in a much different 
stage in my life. I was in my ability to handle that, I personally felt was very different. And so it gave me the, the ability to, to sail through it. Although it was excruciatingly painful, I, I, I just, I, to some extent, I was surprised with my own self, how I, I was able to, to navigate through it. But now that I look back, you know, that's when I see the, the difference between how I handle a situation 20 years ago to how I handled the pandemic and, and what ensued at the end of the pandemic. Sorry to hear about your dad passing with, with COVID. Um, how much did you feel then, you know, that, that difference, seeing that difference, that spiritual uh, growth or just growth in general, how'd that make you feel knowing that here you go, 9-11, went through that experience, then you have the whole pandemic and your dad ends up becoming uh, one of the individuals who gets affected by this um, and seeing how you reacted differently in, in that place. Um, did you have like a sense where you look back and you're like, wow, yeah, this, this stuff works. This is amazing. Look at this. I mean, what was the, what was that self-talk? Cause I, I know for myself, when I look, do reflections like this and I'm like, man, 10 years ago, if I, you know, I look at some situation and I, and then I go through something similar and I'm like, wow, I am like, this is not the same person. And I get like, there's a side of an excitement in me because it's like, wow, well, okay, I'm really growing. Cause sometimes I don't take the time to do that. Um, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, of course you, when some, some big events like this happen, it, it forces you to, to take, uh, to pause and take stock, if you will, right. It compare things, but you know, we always, when we, when we take a little deeper dive into, into this realm of wanting to know more than what, what meets the eye, we always come across this, um, this saying again and again, that Let's look at life as a, as a, as a game, look at life as something that's happening. You know, the more you do it, the, the better off you are. And it's a beautiful concept, right? Until a, a, a sledgehammer hits you in the head. And in that moment, when you need your, all this wisdom and all this knowledge, the most, it sometimes it flees you. It, you feel like, what is the point? Like, what game? I just lost the most meaningful relationship of my life. You're trying to tell me this life is a game? What part of the... And you see me having fun here? What part of it? Right? So having an, an intellectual concept is one thing. And then when to, to be able to live it, you know, to be, to be able to own it when you're actually going through a difficult situation is an entirely different thing. And no amount of effort or no amount of reading or no amount of learning, I think, can, can, can help you get there, I feel. It's the, to me, I felt that it was this practicing of this breath work, that meditation, it had created like a, that's a resilience in me that instead of doing or putting an effort to see life as a game, it, it just kind of a happening. You know, it was just, uh, I, was, I was able to go through it without, without getting knocked around, without having to put a lot of conscious effort in it. So, you know, a, a me from 20 years ago would have tried to do a lot of things to fix it. But here in this case, I was just moving through it and just kind of sometimes you see becoming a witness to all. It was, and not by putting a, a very forced, effort into it. It was just 
it was a beautiful happening around me. And that's when I, I realized that, yeah, you know, something must be working here. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that. Cause like, I remember when COVID was first starting, we were kind of like a couple months before letting our patients know, Hey, the, you know, trying to, what would come with the stress and the lockdowns and what we need to focus on, like mental health and all these other things. And there was potential of, we may have to shut down the business just depending on how the ruling of the, what the governor was going to state for the state. And my wife looks at me and she's like, why are you so calm about this? She's like, we can have, may have to shut down the business. And you're like, not even phased. Like you have no worry in your mind. Are you just faking it? Or is that like, you just really calm? I said, honey, I've been meditating for over 15 years. I've been practicing breathwork for nine years. It's all going to be fine. Like it's all going to work out. It's actually, these things are more of a blessing in life than they're not. And she's like, how the heck? And so with my coaching clients, same thing. What's the message I'm sharing with them? This is going to be the one, you're going to have other opportunities, but this is a huge opportunity to either really blow up your life and all that you do, or just let this be the negative and affect you. And it's amazing because a lot of the people I coached, um, and I say all, 100% of them, they all had huge growth during this. I mean, some had to shut down. I had three patient, three clients um, shift careers um, because the business just shut. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything. Um, but then they recreated themselves. And now a year later, they can go live anywhere they want. They're making the income that they want and they're enjoying life. And it's like, it's that moment. And I always, I always take it back to the breath. I take it back to meditation, right? Cause it doesn't let you get distracted. I mean, losing, I still have my father, but I know when that day comes, um, it got willing, it's going to be a day that's going to really make me reflect on me as the man I am and the person I am. And it's going to really rattle me. But at the same token, you know, I'm not the same person I was like 10, 15 years ago. I look at it now and be like, these are, this is what's his, you know, it's their journey, but at the same token, I'm going to appreciate all the memories and soak up all that I had. And I know they're not gone, you know, depending on what your spiritual beliefs are. I know mine is that they're just, they're in a different dimension. They're still here, just in a different dimension. We just can't see them. Um, and so it's like, then I know they're still here. It's just a different relationship now, but it's a closer one. And I went, I learned that through my grandfather's death over 11 years ago, uh, 11 years, 10 years ago, uh, his birthday is on 9-11. Um, and so it's one of the things where, um, knowing when he passed, I was like, I had to learn a different relationship with that. And it was kind of interesting, but, um, before we wrap up, uh, I know we're cutting time here, but I want to be able to have people, how they can follow you. How can they get your book on a wing and a prayer and all that good stuff? Sure. Um, uh, my, all my details are on my website, kushalchoksi.com, my first name and last name.com. Um, and yeah, the book is on Amazon, on Barnes and Nobles. Um, I've, I've tried to encapsulate a, a brutally honest account of my last 20 years of journeys from 9-11 to, uh, you know, beginning to learn the breathwork and what it has done to me over a period of time in, as part of this book. Um, it's called On a Wing and a Prayer, uh, Spirituality for the Reluctant, the Curious and the Seeker. <laughs> and... <laughs> Yeah, I, so I love that. And for all the listeners, this will be in the show notes and have you to get access to with all the links and so forth. So check that out. Um, Kushal, appreciate having you on. I, I love your energy. I love the heartfelt energy you bring to the table and sharing that with all our listeners. Um, thank you for taking the time. And more importantly, take it for sharing your stories um, with, with your dad and then with 9-11 and everything. I know that's some deep stuff. And uh, um I appreciate you sharing that and then appreciate you sharing your message and teaching people the world of breath work and all that good stuff. Thank you, Vic. You, there's so much heart in what you do and I, I feel it. And 
appreciate and I'm grateful for, for this opportunity to talk to you and your listeners. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. Until next time, keep rocking and rolling.